You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Welcome to On The Way. I'm Beth White, your co-host this morning. I have Jen Delvo with me as well. She's in a separate studio here at the Archdiocese of Chicago. Due to COVID uh, protocols, we can be maskless in separate rooms. Good morning, Jen. Good morning. Good morning. She has an awesome background. For those of you uh, watching us on YouTube, you can see the difference in our backgrounds. But um, our listeners on the radio won't be able to tell the difference. So good morning, Jen. Good morning. So today, uh, the topic of our show is building a new reality together. And so the building a new reality is a phrase, um, and it is a phase of the Renew My Church process. So lots of times people think Renew My Church is just the part where we're consolidating or structural change. But in reality, that is what leads us to the spiritual renewal component that our office is really Um, knee-deep involved in building the new reality. So for today, we're going to, second half of the show, Jen and I are going to talk a little bit about what that means for the evangelization office. But on the first part of the show, we have Dr. Dr. Angela Swain. Wow, that was kind of came off the tongue oddly. Dr. Angela Swain, she is the Director for Human Dignity and Solidarity here in the Archdiocese of Chicago. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. So uh, Dr. Angela, is uh, she's been with us for, oh gosh, what, almost a year now? Is that right? A year on the 18th of this month. Wow. And I have been trying to get her on the show every month, (laughs) and I ask her too late in the process, or the topic wasn't right. So I'm very grateful that she's with us on this January and her year anniversary. Um, And so we we are... um, talking a little bit today about with her about missionary discipleship. So I think just to foundationally, if you could just let our listeners and our viewers know what the Human Dignity and Solidarity Office is here in the Archdiocese. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Beth and Jen. I appreciate this moment. Um, So my office um, has 10 ministries. Uh, So we have Immigration National, Immigration Local, Respect Life, uh, the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, of, of also known as CCHD, Catholic Relief Services, or CRS, um, Amate House, which does leadership development for 21 through 29-year-olds, uh, Colby House, that's the prison ministry, uh, domestic violence, uh, care for our common home, and racial justice. So when she, <laughs> when she was like, so what do you want me to talk about? I was like, yeah, I know, right? Um, and so... 
there's a common theme within all of those is those are outreach ministries. Those are ministries that our parishes would, in a lot of ways, be sort of outreach, right? They're, they are um, ways to help um, Catholic Relief Services is international. Um, CCHD is helping people at all le- levels. Um, Colby House and, and um, domestic violence. And these are all sort of human dignity um, topics, and they're all sort of put together. And they don't maybe... In a lot of dioceses, they wouldn't normally fit together. How do you see these um, different ministries fitting together? Sure. I think one of the, the biggest ways that they fit together is putting the person in the center. Mm. So we don't care. So, you know, when Father Chuck is ministering to people who have experienced domestic violence or uh, Mary Claire is ministering to someone who is incarcerated, we look at the whole person. Mm. Uh, we minister with the whole person in mind. Yes, you're you're serving and meeting a particular need, but you do that with through the lens of Jesus um, and looking at the human person and looking at all those things uh, that make up who that person is, the very essence of who they are. And that's the common thread through each and every ministry under my office. I was really struck by that just now because I think we're in the midst of this cancel culture. And yes. um, I was... I don't know, I was reflecting last week on King David. For some reason, the readings were about King David. And I was thinking about just what um, we hear a lot about his good story, but there was a lot of bad stuff in King David. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but God you worked through him and used him um, in order to build up the people of Israel. And so I, I, how do you see that sort of theme of meeting people a lot of the folks are at sort of at the lowest part of their life, right? And, and your office is reaching in to help them. Yeah. And so I think our office has a, a nice, I don't want to say, maybe for lack of a better word, cross-section mm. of who Jesus ministered to. Yeah. Right. And who we are as the body of Christ, if we're honest, mm-hmm. right? Um, so we obviously have people who are, you know, in prison, people experiencing domestic violence, people also... Um, who have had abortions, people who need to feel empowered sort of from the ground up, if you will, in our work with um, CCHD. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, overall, our, our ministries are there to meet the needs of the person, the whole person, and then looking out, we're constantly looking at who God sees them to be, mm. right? And what, what and who God caused them to be and look. So an example of this with Amate House. One of my passions um, professionally, I'm an organizational psychologist, is leadership development. And so when you have a group of, say, 20-year-olds, right, they may not know where they want to be in the next five years or even two years, right? But we have a process, which is why I love the evangelization model of missionary discipleship, because we really take that approach in accompanying people, regardless of where they are, and journeying with them so that they can do and be whomever they feel God is calling them to be. Mm. That's a must be a big part of the movement and all of the work that you all do, right? Because I know CCHD does a lot of granting to organizations that to really give them a leg up, to give them some um, um, beautiful organizations that really, they're not huge grants, um, but they are huge to them, right? They're, they give them um, a little bit to help them advance whatever that dream is to help build the kingdom. And one of the things I really do appreciate about CCHD is that 
you know, there've been organizations that I've worked with that kind of have a top down view of let us help you. Mm-hmm. Where CCHG is really a movement from the people. Mm-hmm. And it was actually started in Chicago 50 years ago. And so it's this really groundbreaking movement for people who are on the margins to be participants and what and, and to share and articulate what their current need is. Um, unfortunately, because of COVID, a lot of the donations have um, dwindled, mm-hmm. uh, but we're confident that as we continue the work, God will indeed continue to provide. And that's probably because they haven't been able to go to the parishes and do the talks exactly. and for the exactly. second collections and things And like people that. have lost jobs. So people yeah. who would normally donate right. uh, aren't able to do so right now. Yeah, exactly. So when we um, we talk a lot about missionary discipleship, you use the phrase, and sometimes people are like, what does that mean? So um, mm-hmm. a, a little a, a way that we think about it in our office, just it's a much deeper, the, uh, however you want to think about it, but a disciple is someone who has encountered Jesus, knows that Jesus is very much alive today, who the living Christ is still among us, and that this person has chosen to follow Jesus. There's an intentionality. A disciple is someone who is willing to make sacrifices to be in relationship with God. So that means they'll, they'll do that Bible study. They'll sign up for that retreat. They will participate. Uh, they will help out at the parish and do all kinds of things in the parish. Um, a missionary disciple, however, um, isn't it's someone who is um, has all of that as a disciple, but something has happened within them that they now have an outward motion. And so we would say a missionary disciple is someone who loves the people of God and will make any sacrifice for the people of God. And the it's just um, one of the things we'll say about a disciple is a disciple is someone who has a daily prayer life. A missionary disciple is someone who can talk about the prayer life. Um, a mm-hmm. disciple will say, I'll pray for you, Angela. A missionary disciple will say, can I pray with you right now? Can I, can I, can I, we just stop everything and just pray with you? Um, and, and it's that sense of I'm really thinking about what God would want for you and really helping you find who you are in in the image of God, right? And so when I give you that like w- animation of what a missionary disciple is, how do you see that as a critical part of the work in or not in human dignity and so- the work of human dignity and solidarity? Uh, thank you for the question. I think it's central um, to the work that we do. When I hear um, the difference between discipleship and missionary discipleship. One of the, the words that I keep, that keeps resonating for me is this word connection um, and accompaniment with others. Yeah. And so in ministries like CCHD, CRS, Amate House, Care for Creation, I mean, if you think about the Care for Creation ministry alone, you know, if we're not connected in some way or feel that we're connected with the world or the globe or the environment, you know, there's no ministry. If we have no earth. So I think um, <laughs> when I hear those two different uh, concepts, namely discipleship and missionary discipleship, I hear the word connection. And I also feel a big part of it is, you know, position of the heart, mm-hmm. right? And it's the position to say, that's to say, I will do whatever God wants me to do, wherever God calls me to go. Here I am, Lord, send me. Mm-hmm. And the sense that God will provide whatever it is that's needed, right? I mean, we're all pretty capable people, but at the end of the day, a missionary disciple, it doesn't have to have a theology degree and 
They don't have to be uber educated or um, it's just as someone who's willing to put themselves out there for God, like with, with God at the center. Because sometimes we, we can volunteer and do all kinds of social justice things. And we know that even our public school kids are asked to do volunteer work. And that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. But in terms of how we you look at your work, there's a distinction, right, between just volunteering and, and doing service versus actually being Christ for others and seeing Christ in others. How does that manifest itself? Yeah, sure. So when I think of the word um, volunteering, and before we go to that question, mm-hmm. I just want to bring up something about doing anything and you know for God and everything for God. And that's not to say because some people listening may feel like you know in the in our in our framework we have no sense of boundaries, and that's certainly not. I <laughs> know. Um, so we definitely hold those. We we hold people who are in service to others um, top of mind for sure. So I, I just wanted to offer that. In case people, you know, there was some confusion around that. Um, But to your question about volunteering, the difference between volunteering and being a missionary disciple, I feel like when you volunteer, um, it's often something that's imposed, Mm. right? So you have to do it, say, you know, sometimes students have to do it for service hours. So those hours, right. They have to do it in order to be in the national honors, in national honors society or something like that. College Um, transcripts. Exactly, exactly, (laughs) exactly. You know, all those like check, check, check. Um, And certainly that was imposed upon me largely (laughs) when I was younger, right? But it got to, it gets to a place of evolution is our prayer that maybe one can start off as a volunteer and move yeah. to the space of missionary discipleship mm-hmm. where there's an intentionality. And I keep saying about the heart, but there's an intentionality in one's heart where they're doing it in service, right? Their heart mm-hmm. is of a servant leader and they're mm-hmm. doing it because this going back to our lens in the office of human dignity and solidarity in care and service of the whole person. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take a break right now, and when we come back, we'll continue this conversation with Dr. Angela Swain from the Office for Human Dignity and Solidarity. Catholic Charities, we fight hunger in Chicago throughout the year. Our six regional offices in Cook and Lake Counties work together to offer sit-down and to-go meals to anyone in need. We deliver meals to those who are homebound, and our eight food pantries offer three to four days of food supplies based on household size. 
Participants in these programs have the opportunity to learn about other Catholic charity services that strengthen individuals, families, and their communities. The challenges for those dealing with food insecurity are especially great during the winter months. To learn how you can help those who are hungry in your neighborhood, visit catholiccharities.net or call 312-655-7525. That's 312-655-7525. Thank you for your generosity. I feel special. <laughs> I feel great. I got good grades. We've seen a huge surge in our kids now meeting or exceeding grade level. Come check us out. You may have never thought we were an option before. Ancestry and genealogy are more important every day. People all over the world are wanting to learn more about their family heritage for personal and for health reasons. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage, the wonderful life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today. Welcome back to On The Way. I am Beth White, your co-host with Jen Delvo this morning. I know you haven't heard Jen's voice very much. Um, uh, I am doing the first part of the show with Dr. Angela Swain, and then you will get to hear from Jen soon. So welcome back. And uh, Dr. Angela, as we continue our conversation, before you, we uh, broke for break, we were talking about uh, a volunteer who sometimes just has to do things and they check boxes versus someone who is a missionary disciple who really has a heart for for the people has a heart for uh, the work and and obviously through faith through the lens of faith because we can have very passionate people that may not have it through the lens of faith and that is the distinction. But I love that you um, just really clarified boundaries because our work a missionary disciple is ne never there to impose anything um, or to be the one that saves other people. Uh, it's to just um, sort of walk alongside people and help. And maybe you're further along on the journey, so you're giving them a little bit of um, like 
like here's the path and like here's how I got here kind of thing. Is that how you see this um, working is that we're those of us who have maybe just further along, maybe just a little older, like you're talking about the Amate folks and helping them. Unfortunately, a little older, a lot older. Like I've been down this road for a while. Let me help you like navigate so you don't trip over that rock that I did kind of thing. Is that sort of how you're thinking about this? Yeah, I, I do in, in some ways. I, I consider ministry, especially the work of social justice ministry, like a like a large like a large kit, mm-hmm. right? And we have many tools in that toolkit, right? Mm-hmm. So some people and I, I I like studying leadership, different types of leadership styles. So, you know, I really feel like in my office, it's it's a lot of shepherd leadership with the heart of a servant. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's yeah. the image that comes to mind. Um, I I love the scripture that talks about my favorite image actually of Jesus is of the good shepherd. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, you know, so to your question, Beth, sometimes that is I go before you a little bit and I've seen kind of what's coming and I can help you mm-hmm. along the way. Sometimes it's standing alongside of the person mm-hmm. and journeying with them more mm-hmm. than accompaniment feeling and then sometimes it's like no you got it I can I can stay back a little bit and walk behind you and yeah and sometimes it's picking the sheep up and putting them on your shoulders right yeah exactly exactly <laughs> exactly but obviously you know with the servant's heart yeah so um I I there's a scripture that struck me recently um and I don't know, I, you know, I reflect, I do Alexio Divina and I, I was just reflecting on when Jesus, um, healed, um, uh, uh, Peter's mother-in-law and he took her hand and he, mm-hmm. um, and I just thought, wow, isn't that, isn't that interesting that he, Jesus like took her hand and helped her out of bed and then she like served them. And it was her way of giving back, right? And so that it was just that the the power of Jesus is so gentle. It isn't, it's just, it's mind boggling how it isn't overpowering because so much power in our world is about control and getting all the accolades. But there's servant leadership that you're talking about, this like taking someone by the hand and just lifting them up and, and that's it. And just healing them in that sense, right? And letting Jesus work through you, because it's never us that does any of it. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah, and it's just that a beautiful image. Um, and you know what? When you said that, it, it strikes me too, because no matter who you are, right, in whatever context you may be in, you belong to Him, mm-hmm. right? So Absolutely. there's always this connection between. Jesus and the person that he's serving, ministering to, healing, etc. Because you belong, right? Yeah. And so that's just a beautiful, I think that's part to your, that word is so powerful that you just used, Beth, which is gentle, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's all a part of it. It's, he's so gentle because he cares because you belong to him. And when you love someone, you never force anything upon them. I mean, that's, exactly. that's you invite, you encourage, <laughs> you accompany you have a talking to there are consequences but you you know you're a parent i know um and but but love isn't it isn't about um freedom love has to be to have love return it has to be freedom right and so there is sort of sometimes you have to let people you know have take it on their own time and and that's also the accompaniment is we don't force a timeline on people 
that's part of the missionary discipleship is understanding that it's not our outcomes, it's God's outcomes. And that could take a person 40 years to come to to sobriety or to make a decision for their life. But we, it isn't for us to judge, it's to ha- us to accompany. Exactly. Yeah. Accompaniment without judgment. Exactly. <laughs> So another part of your office is uh, racial justice, right? It's the, mm-hmm. um, um, and I, I believe you've really brought that to the forefront this year. Well, given the world that we're in right now, um, and so could you talk just a few minutes about what you've been, what you all have been doing? I know you've been doing. It's just been a year, or so um, what kinds of things are you working on with that? Sure. So I will give definitely give credit uh, to where credit is due. So Holly. Um, and Bishop Kevin uh, Birmingham really saw a need, um, especially after the tragic death of um, George Floyd, Mm -hmm. to bring people together, bring the pastoral center together, um, and and make sure that we had a response to whatever the Derek Chauvin verdict was. Um, And so um, we've been meeting since then. And it's been a really, really collaborative space where my office and OLF, so the Office of Lifelong Formation, um, Mission Identity, uh, the Pastoral Center, you know, we come together and we really support each other in the work that we're doing around um, helping and moving our organization to become an anti-racist organization. And so often what that will look like is, um, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mention Office of Catholic Schools as well. So what that means is if someone is thinking of putting together a manual for for schools, we all take a look at it to say, okay, what what does this document say? Um, Who is the audience? Who are you speaking to? How will people who have been traumatized receive this information mm-hmm. because we're very careful to not cause um, additional harm mm-hmm. <laughs> to a person yeah. who's already experienced um, a lot of trauma in light mm-hmm. of uh, race, ra- racism. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, I, I saw that um, you have a newsletter uh, called Weaving Threads of Justice. So how could someone um, sign up for that newsletter? Because it's a plethora of information about everything that you have going on. Yes, it's amazing. So we have wonderful, I just want to put a little plug out for our interns. They are amazing. They they resuscitated our newsletter for us. Oh, awesome. It had been quite some time since we had, I think, gosh, maybe two years since we had a, a newsletter. So I'm very grateful for them. It's beautiful. So, um, you can um, reach out to, well, you can go on our website, our Shias's website, and then you'll see um, uh, our, my office website uh, for OHDS, and then they can shoot us an email, and then we'll put them on the on the roster. So you sure. can um, search under uh, the ARCH website under Human Dignity and Solidarity. Uh, also, yes. you can find it through the Department of Parish Vitality and Ministry. It's a subset, uh, the Office for Human Dignity and Solidarity. And you can check out all their work. You do a lot of work in parishes. You collab- You help a lot of um, parish leaders to bring about, um, you have outside entities like Colby House, but you also have connections with parishes, with Colby House, parishes with, so it's a real collaborative effort between HDS and parish life. Um, Definitely. Yeah. So is there any last words for us that you'd like to share just so our listeners understand your work and, and the power of it? Sure. I'll leave with this imagery. So when I first came to the Archdiocese, so it's kind of fitting that a year later I, I, 
still believe in the same power of this image. Someone asked me, what's your vision for the office? And I said, you know, I really want to help create a space where the people who are in power see those who are most vulnerable and see themselves. Mm. And that the people who aren't, who aren't feeling vulnerable can look at those who are in power and glean a sense of empowerment. Oh. Because I, when we look at a, if we look at each other, I want us to see the other person. That's the image I have. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being with us, and we'll have to have thank you, you so on much again. For we can I go. Love you. We can double click into any of those areas, right? I love you yes, too, absolutely. Dr. Angela. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, have a, a, a wonderful uh, rest of your day and stay warm out there. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you for the invitation. Absolutely. Bye-bye. And we'll be back with a conversation with me and Jen Delvo about the work of the Office for Evangelization here in the diocese and building the new reality. Can a blind